Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Well, welcome, welcome in. Man, my pastor gave it up for me, and I am not as crazy as some people may think, but I am a little bit crazy. Um, before I get started off, I just want to tell you guys really quickly, uh, we are so glad you guys are tuning in today. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy the message. If you don't, it's Pastor Jody's fault. If you do, it's all Jesus. I'm not that good. I'm just joking. But I do want to say this. Pastor Jody and the rest of the staff came to me and they asked me to speak today because they wanted someone with end time prophecy ready to share with you guys, the church. And I am that guy. So let me turn to the scripture really quick and give you what the end time. Pro- I'm not going to do that. What it actually says. Here's the point. In the end, we win. There you go. You have the expert's opinion on the matter. We win. So you are set and we can get going. All right. So let's open in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day. I ask you to speak through me. Let it penetrate our hearts. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, during this quarantine time where we've been all locked up, I've had time to really sit and think about all that's going on. And that's completely contrary to my nature. I'm not that big of a thinker in, uh, in a lot of ways. But during this time, I've had a lot of time just to sit and think. And a lot of different thoughts. I've been thinking about all types of thoughts. But the one question that continue to come back is, am I doing this right? Right? Am I doing this right? I thought about, I, I think about very different areas of my life, whether it's work. Am I doing this right? Money. Am I doing this right? Family. Being a dad, am I doing this right? Being a husband, am I doing this right? My health, oh, I'm doing that right. The cheeseburgers, I I know I'm doing that right, so I didn't have to question about that. But marriage, uh, a homeowner, am I doing this right? Doing this right? And I begin to think about even times in the past where I had that same question. Am I doing this right? It reminded me of when I got married. Uh, Let me, it reminded me of when we first brought our daughter home from the hospital after we had her. And I had to, the nurses handed me my baby, my baby girl, and I put her in the car seat. And I sat there, and as I was buckling her up, I'm like, am I doing this right? <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm doing. What are you doing? Don't give me the baby. I have no idea. I may drop her on her head. And then so many other situations happened in Ella's life specifically. I thought about um, the first <laughs> couple of years while Ella was alive. And in the middle of the night, Ella was just scream bloody murder. She would not let us sleep. She was the most selfish, stubborn, horrible baby in the world. And she wasn't colicky or anything like that. She was just a fuss pot. And we was like, what are we doing? We can't sleep. This child is a horrible baby. We must not be doing this right. But there's so many more stories. And it's just Ella, right? I thought about when um, we put her in daycare for the first time. Ella went on a two-week hunger starvation. She decided she wasn't going to eat for two straight weeks, and she cried, screamed for two straight weeks. If for two straight weeks, if she wasn't sleeping, she was screaming. That's my daughter, and that's just the beginning. Uh, later on, me and Ella took a trip to Detroit, and I happened to be trying to get dressed. I may have picked up a phone. I turn around, my daughter is covered in blue marker all over her body. I'm like, I'm I'm clearly not doing something right because this child is not listening. Listen, you guys, as a parent. We often have these questions. Am I doing this right? But what's even more importantly is the question that comes from as a believer 
as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, am I doing this right? And today I'm going to help you with that because there are some simple steps that you can do to make sure you're doing this right. And it comes in the form of a sandwich. And I don't know about you, but I love sandwiches. You know, just like when I was younger, we used to make sandwiches all the time. I mean, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a fried bologna sandwich, a fried spam sandwich, magnifico. You know, all types of sandwiches. We even perfected the sugar sandwich. Yes, we perfected the sugar sandwich, right? So it's going to come in the form of a sandwich. And I hope you like sandwiches because Jesus is going to give us a sandwich from his word today. All right. So let's pick it up. Um, It's found in Mark chapter 4. And we're going to read it in the NLT version. And it says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 23. It says this. Then Jesus asked them, will anyone light a lamp? And then put it under a basket or under a bed. Of course not. A lamp is placed on the stand where, where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. Every secret will be brought to the light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, in order to stand, understand this context, there's many ways to look at this. This verse. You have to look at it in full context, right? You have to look at what happened before this. And what happened directly after that? That's usually how you want to extrapolate. I don't even know if that's the right word. That's usually how you want to determine what this word is really trying to say. And when Jesus was reading it. So let's read before what's happening. And I'll give you a little background on what's happening before. Jesus had just preached to his, uh, a bunch of people, right? He was on a boat. He sat down on a boat and he was preaching to this large group of people. And after he preached to them, the disciples came to him and he's like, they said, hey, Will you explain to us the parable that you just shared? Because he goes in to to share a parable about a farmer sowing a seed. And in verse 14, we're going to pick up how he explains this parable to the disciples about the farmer sowing the seed. And it says this in verse 14. The farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. For us, we want to consider that as being in church. The pastor Jody, the preacher man, he gets up here and he sows the seed right to everyone that's listening in the audience. And then he goes on in verse 15. He says this, the seed that fell on the the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan at once take it away. Now, let me make sure you understand this. This first person is the person that sits in the audience. You may be in school. You may be in church. You may be listening to a message online right now while you're in your living room, but you're in la-la land. You got thoughts going on. You can't even, you don't even know what's going on because you hear the word, but it's really going over your head, right? You're sitting there. You got thoughts of, uh, I love this girl for the first time. I wonder if she's going to marry me. Uh, How am I going to do this, pay this bill? Oh, you know what? We got to figure out what we're going to cook for dinner. You got all these thoughts going through your mind. That's the first person, right? And the Bible tells us that immediately Satan comes and steals that word because it didn't even go in in the first place. You heard it, but you weren't listening. Then he says this in verse 16 and 17, it says this. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. This person number two is someone who's listening. They're sitting there in the message, but that's all they're doing. They're, they're excited about what's going on. They're all pumped. They're, they're engaged, right? Amen, hallelujah, preach it, preacher. But they're not taking notes. They're not studying anything that he says. They don't take it home with them. So it doesn't transform. It doesn't build. It doesn't form in their life. So when they leave, 
And all they had was a word in that moment. That word leaves them comes Monday morning. Come Tuesday when those problems and persecutions come. Right? That's that person, that church service person. And I want you to realize that these two people can be the same person in one single message. You could be in La La Land doing one part of the message. You could be praising them doing one part of the message where you engage. But then there's three other parts. Right? So... The third person in verse 18 through 19, he says, the seed that fell among thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and desires of other things. So no fruit is produced. This person, they take notes. They're excited. They're following along in their Bible. They're sitting here every Sunday. But we call these the immature Christians. If I, I hate to tell you this, if you have no fruit bearing in your life, you're immature Christians. What do I mean by that? It's because you sit here every Sunday, you take notes, but when it comes to getting home and having that seed going deep down into the soil, it doesn't do that. Because what happens is you have the word and then you have your problems. You have the word and you have your concerns about how you're going to pay bills. You have the word and you have your endeavors in life. And what happens is the word takes back seat to the endeavors in life. This person Although they have the same seed that was planted in their life, it gets choked out because they're endeavors, because they want something more than they want of God. That's person number three. And again, this could be the same person based on a, diff- on, on, on a single message that's being preached. So don't, don't miss that. And then person number four, he says this. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produces a harvest. Thirty of thirty 60 and even 100 times as much as a planet. Person number four is the one we all want to be. We want to be the good soil. We want to be the one that's paying attention, that's taking notes, that's going home and applying it to our life. We want to be the person that's determined that I'm going to get every single thing that God has for me. Now, on that backdrop, as we look at what happened there, we see that's the first part of the sandwich. That's the bread, the top bread. Then Jesus gives us the light part and right in the middle of that. But then I want to go into what comes right after that light part where you're talking about the lamp and light. Let's go right in following that verse. And and we pick up that in Mark uh, 24 through 25. And he says this after saying that light part, he says this. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding will be given and you receive even more to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. Jesus just follows up and explains exactly what he explained in the previous verses. He's saying, hey, the seed that fell on the wayside was taken away, and the seed that fell on good soil growed and grew and produced a harvest. This is the same thing. Same verses, saying two different, I mean, saying it differently, but the same part of the sandwich. So here's the exciting part, is the sandwich part. Is where you put the meat in the middle. Is what really makes the sandwich. And this is the part that really jumps off the pages of me. Because I spent the better part of the last three months just in Mark chapter 4. And God would not let me get away from this. Because I spent time looking at the first part and like, okay, that's awesome. We all can be this person. We all want to be the good soil. Then God took me straight to the light part. And he had me just stop dead in my tracks. I didn't know it was for a time just like this. So I want to read that again to you so that we can go through it. In Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 23, it says this. Then Jesus asked him, will anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or a bed? 
Of course not. I'm going to stop right there. There's a difference between the lamp that we have where you just go in the house and you flip the switch. That's an easy lamp, right? Or you turn it on. No problem. Or matter of fact, in the old days, we say clap on, clap off. The clapper, right? There's a difference between the lamp that we have that's simple and easy to, to turn on than the lamp that they had back in those days. In those days, they had lamps that were made of clay or other fine material, whatever you want to call it. And it had like small openings in the, in the front for where the wick would get pushed in. And then they had a, a big opening on the top where you would pour the olive oil. And the idea was you would light this lamp, this clay pot, this clay pot, if you will. You would take either stones to create a spark and you're rubbing together or you take sticks and you rub them together to create that spark. Right. Because you want this lamp to be on fire. And it happened when it got dark outside. So you would take this lamp which was fire in essence, and you would put it on a stand. And he says, would you take a lamp and would you put it underneath a basket? Of course not. You guys, why wouldn't you put a a lamp under a basket or a bed? Well, we know that you don't want to cover up light because light is beneficial at night. But more importantly than that, when you take a lamp and you physically cover it up when it's fire, that becomes, that's a flammable material that flammable material will catch on fire. And back in those days, that basket, that bed was very flammable. That basket, that bed would catch the whole house on fire in a matter of minutes, moments. So you can do all you want to try to block that light out, but that light will blaze through that basket and that bed. Here's what I'm talking about. And I want you to see this. Because the comparison that Jesus is pointing out is, he said that there's a seed that produces fruits and there's a light i'm gonna say fire if you will that produces light and no matter what you do whether your seed is producing fruit or your your fire is producing light you are only the vessel you're only the good ground and your job if you really want to know if i'm doing this well is you need to ask yourself two simple questions is one is if i stop telling people about jesus will they still realize that jesus is in me if I never open my mouth up another day of my life, if I'm really doing this right, will people still realize that I have been with Jesus? And if you can say that, if you can move to another country and, and all you do, all you have is the fruit of the spirits that active in your life and people can look at you and they can see it, then you have been with Jesus. You have done, you have paid close attention to what his word says. And now you are on fire and nothing you can do that can hide it or cover it up. All right. And then I want you to ask yourself, Question number two. Let me make sure I got it. And I don't even know where it is in my notes. So that's okay. Here we go. We'll find it. I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself question number two. Am I actually producing fruit? Am I actually producing fruit? Question number one is, if I, if I move away and I never again open my mouth up to say anything about Jesus, will people know the difference? Number two is, am I actually producing fruit? I can't convey this as as importantly as I should, but I want you to understand this. The writer of Mark, some consider it's, it, 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 it's Peter's gospel, right? Because Mark was Peter's right-hand man. He kind of walked through him and told him. So Mark uh, coined or he wrote down some of the things that Peter said, right? The writer in Mark said this very text. And then later on in Mark chapter 14, he gives us a little insight into what it's like to spend time with Jesus. Because you, you're, you're faced with the fact that Peter, which God, Jesus told him that you would deny me. He was around a fire when Jesus was taken 
And they, the servant girl came to him and said, hey, you've been with Jesus. There's something different about you. And Peter, in all his denying, no, I had never been with Jesus. She said, asked him three times. To, oh, well, she asked him once, and then a couple people asked him differently. No, no, this person looks different. There's something different about you. You've been with Jesus. Peter said, no, I haven't been with Jesus. What are you talking about? Understand, you can't hide when you've been with Jesus. If you're really wanting to know, am I doing this Christian things right? You can't hide when you've been with Jesus. You will have the fruit in your life that's producing after itself. Love, Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. If you're really following God's word, if you're really paying close attention to his word, if you're really taking time and being a good steward, student of the word, are you really spending the time and are you showing it by the fruits you produce? Are you loving your neighbor? For crying out loud, right now is a great opportunity to walk in love. Because I don't know about you, but I have the opportunity every day to walk in love with my kids that are in my house. Because every day, I'm about to kick them out the house. Because I'm sick of hearing them fight. Ella, Stevie is saying, stop it, Ella. No, it's my turn. Ella's like, shut up, you're a farthead. I mean, it's back and forth all day. Pearl looks at me. I look at her. If I had a gun, I, never mind, I won't go there. But nonetheless, my kids, this is an opportunity to walk in love, right? But there's more than just love. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, selfishness, uh, goodness, self-control. You know the list. You, don't worry about it. You, you'll figure it out. But there's fruits that can be produced in your life. And I want you to see this. Because what does it mean to play, pay close attention to what Jesus is saying? I want to compare it to being in the school. There are students in the school, which was the class clown. Hey, I was the class clown. I just want to point that out. Then there was other people that were like the valedictorian, the uberly smart ones. I think like Mr. Terry was that one, right? Then you have like the cheerleaders. Miss Theta was like that one, right? Uh, then, I mean, you have different types of people in school. But which one do you admire the most? Like as a class clown, I admired the valedictorian, those that were super smart. I'm not even going to lie. I wanted to be that. I just wasn't made like that. That's not who I am. I was made a little bit different, right? I was made a little bit crazy. But if you look at the good students in school, you'll find out that they do certain things really, really well. One thing they do is they take notes, right? When they hear something that jumps off of them or they hear something that they don't understand, they're just not going to let it pass by. They're going to take notes and they're going to ask important questions about what they just heard, right? They're going to read books because they want to get more understanding about this topic. They're not just going to take one person's word for it. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you this because I see this in my wife. When my wife wants to learn about a subject, she's reading constantly. She's reading different articles, different books. She wants to know more about the subject, and she gets excited about learning. I think she's crazy. That's just a personal opinion. Like, I'm not going to spend all that much time. All I need is one person to tell me, and that's the God honest truth. I believe it. Like, if Joey could tell me that the earth was flat. I'm like, he's right. Joey told me that's the that's flat line. That's what it is. I'm not, I don't need any more proof. I'm settled, right? But not them. Good students, they're going to read books. They're going to get more articles. They're going to get more information. They're not going to settle with just the one person that says it, right? Good students, they're actually going to surround themselves with other groups of people because they want to pick. They want to pick apart these books. Again, I, I refer to my wife. My wife loves being a part of a group of women, which is Crafty Creation, also known as a cult. They get together, um, and she loves being a part of these group of women. Why? 
because they actually have time to talk about different things that they learn. And they have a different group of people that are there. They have younger ladies and older ladies and, and those right in between, those who have different experiences. So when they get together, they get to rub shoulders with each other. They get to be like iron sharpening iron. This group, I'm telling you, they grow because they're together, right? Then they do extra work. Good students do extra work. It's not enough just to do the work just to pass. No, good students want the extra credit. They're going to do the extra work. They're going to do whatever extra assignment. They're going to actually do whatever's necessary so they can be, get the highest grade possible. You guys, Paul told us that he wants us to be a good student. And he kind of said it a little differently, but I want you to read, hear this. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Paul says this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step, not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training, training it to do whatever it should. Paul is saying this, you guys. If you actually have something that you want, if you want to know if you're doing a good job as a believer, and it's going to take some training. And I'm not just talking about simple training. I, 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 want, to, I want to make sure I get this clear. Because there's training that some people do. They think they consider training. Look, I go to Planet Fitness. So I worked at Planet Fitness. And I don't have the, the gym body, if you will. I mean, I got more of the donut shop body. But that's just me and you, right? But I've been to the gym. And I've seen those who work at Planet Fitness. And let me give you a little, a little background. Planet Fitness, and this is, I'm going to stop saying Planet Fitness after this, but they were created so that people can feel comfortable coming to a gym. People that go there, even, there are a lot of people that go there, they just go there just to check it off their list. They're not really training. They get on the treadmill a couple minutes, they get off, they socialize, they go on. That's their training. If you had to refer that to a Christian, those, that's those of you that, that may read their Bible five minutes they may read a devotion a couple minutes, and they did their job. They checked it off the list. You would never find a good student doing that because it's never enough just to be satisfied with a couple minutes of spending in God's presence. You should never be satisfied with that. You should never be satisfied with, oh, yeah, Pastor Jody told me all I need to do this week is just to read this verse and memorize it, and I'm done. I get it if that's your very first steps if this if this is your you're new to this walk i get that right you need to start somewhere but as you progress as you learn more about god we need to be those that are on fire for god so that people can see no matter even if we open our mouth or not that god is living through us right so what do i need us to do i need us to dig into god's word the bible is not as long as it is deep Listen, you can read Mark chapter 21 for three months and God will still illuminate more words to you on a regular basis. You can read one scripture where it says Jesus wept and 17 different people can get a different interpretation about that scripture because God's word is alive and it's active, right? You cannot be settled with just having a, a surface level understanding of God's word. You need to dig in deep. Why is this important? Because as I sat at home, I even questioned myself. Am I being a good, am I doing this right? Am I being a good Christian? Right? 
And God's like, listen, if you want a surefire way of knowing that you're being a good Christian, let somebody try to put a, bl- a bed or a basket over your head and see if you don't catch that whole thing on fire. That's how you would know if you're being a good Christian. And what do I mean by that? Let somebody cover up you. Let you go to move to a country where you can't speak Jesus' name. Let you move to a place where they don't understand you. Where your life, where the fruits you produce still shine bright and still transforms lives. Where they come to you saying, there's something different about you. You have to tell me what's different. If that's you, if that's the life you have, then I can guarantee you, you have been in with God's presence. I can give you a handful of people that I know, not just a handful. I can give you countless people in this church, our elders and their wives, Bobby and Greg Van Show, Pastor Stephen and um, Deanna, Deanna. I'm sorry, Ms. Deanna. I know your name. I just went blank real quick, right? I can give you tons of people who I know that if they don't get out there and say another word of, from God, they have been in his presence. I want us to be that way. I want to be that way. I want to be at the end of our life. As Paul says, Lord, I want to be, I'd rather be with you than here, right? But it's more beneficial that I be with these guys because I have more that I can pour out to these people. I want us to be that way. I want us to finish our race. I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant, that you did it right. You ain't got to compare your life to anyone else. I placed you on the stand and you shine bright to everyone in that household. That's the kind of believer I want to be. I don't want to be the one that's stuck in the weeds. I don't want to be the one that's choked up by the cares of the world or the deceitfulness of riches. I don't want to be the one that comes to church every stinking Sunday and leave out not being transformed or hearing a message. And the message was such good seed that was brought out that I've never produced any type of fruit because a believer produces fruit. And your fruit has nothing to do with you. I hate to tell you that. My light that God has lit in me has nothing to do with me. It's all about Jesus. And Matthew chapter 5, it actually tells us in verse 14 through 16. And the end of it, it says, let your light shine out for all to see so that people will see your good deeds and praise your heavenly father. It has nothing to do with you. It always points back to him. If the light is pointing to you, you're worthless. Sorry to say that. So, in conclusion, read my lips. I don't know. I just I heard that before. Never mind. You a little bit older. You got to get that. So let's go ahead. I want to pray for you guys. So um, as I um, pray, um, before I pray, I want to give you this opportunity. It's a little different. Bear with us. There's uh, the el- a couple of elders in the audience and uh, sound text stuff. So it's a little bit different, but. Um, if you're listening right now, and maybe this is your first time actually joining us online, and you're like, you know what? I want to be different. I want my life to mean something more. I want to make sure that I'm doing this right. If you're listening online, there's opportunity for you because we want to pray with and for you. I know there's opportunities. Uh, you can text somebody right now online um, on one of our things in a bar. You can tell them that you want prayer for this, but we also want to pray for you, right? Or maybe you're listening for the first time and you say, you know what? This really stuck out to me because I want to be a follower of Jesus. Well, we want to pray for you as well. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He was real. He actually did live. He was born of a virgin. And his sole purpose was to come here to earth to show you and I who God was and then to die on the cross. Because if he did those things, 
he was being the sacrificial lamb. That's all Bible terms, which means he gave his life in, in, in placement of ours so that we don't have to die and go to hell. Because when it's all said and done, we will be sit before a judgment seat. And he will ask us, why should I let you in? Right? If our, la- if our name is not written in that book, that good book, that land's book of life, we're not getting in. So we want to pray for you as well. We want to offer you this opportunity today to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So while everybody's out there listening, we want to go ahead and pray together. I'm going to pray this prayer. You can pray online with me um, as a salvation prayer. And so you just repeat this after me. Dear God, we just thank you for this. We thank you for your son that he came and made a way. Lord, I believe right now in my heart that Jesus is real, that he's alive right now. I thank you, Lord, that you can come and you can change me. So I ask you, God, to take my life and transform me into a new person. I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Save me now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to thank you guys for listening. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, go ahead and message us. I don't know what Pastor Jody says, but do something. Give us likes up, thumb, praise, some of those different things, um, and we'll be sure to reach out to you. And finally, we want to bless you today um, because you can get back to your coffee. You can go make your meals. The service is over. But let me bless you with this numbers blessing. We say that may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Have a great week. See you guys next week when Pastor Jody will be back. He's a good looking guy. You'll like him. Talk to you later. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time. Oh,